Hey, I'm Daniel, a political activist and campaigner turned management consultant turned coach. And this is PolitikWise, the podcast where politics meets personal development. Let's face it, it's easy to criticize those in politics. But being in politics is not an easy ride. And yet for many who make the leap, it's worth it. They can make a real difference. So how can we have both? How can we make a difference while at the same time showing up as the best version of ourselves? It's a question that's been with me for the last 20 years. First, when I started out as an activist leading an NGO, then when I did a PhD in politics, and later when I quit my job in consulting to help build up a political movement and run an election campaign. And today, as I coach young leaders who want to make a difference while staying true to themselves. I know the answers are out there, so join me on this podcast. We'll hear from political leaders, from psychologists, neuroscientists, philosophers about their findings and experiences. And together, we learn about the ideas, mindsets, and tools of wise people in politics and beyond. Let's go. Today, we are exploring a concept that can be a game changer in the way that you lead. It's been a game changer for me in the way I've been leading teams in the past. And it's a concept that I think creates fundamental insights in the people that I train on the concept. And it's a concept from Daniel Goleman, the author behind the concept of emotional intelligence. He's been the one who popularized it. And he's also come up with this idea that we can, when we look at leadership, we see six leadership styles out there. And the fundamental idea here, and it's closely linked with other theories of leadership, is that we all have our default leadership style and what situations require of us is often to shift between styles and perhaps shift to a leadership style that is not our natural way of dealing with things. And by laying out these six different leadership styles, what we have all of a sudden is a way to understand where our default is, but also see that left and right of that particular style, there are different ways to handle things, different ways to be a leader and to lead. And so in this episode, let's go through them one by one. And then at the end, I'm going to share with you How can you use this? Let's start with the first leadership style, the visionary leadership style. This is perhaps the style that we most often, at least I, have in mind when I think of leaders. It's the kind of inspiring and motivational leadership style that sets out where we want to be in the future. What's the goal here? What is the vision? And why do we want to go there? It's the typical, I have a dream that one day, it's the, this is where we need to be in 2030. This is the kind of society I imagine. So it lays out that vision. It is inspiring in that way. And if this leadership style had a slogan attached to it, it would certainly be, follow me, or this is where we need to be. And if you think about it, when does this leadership style come in handy? especially when we need to have change, 
when we want to move from a status quo for whatever reason to a future, then we need to set out that vision. Then we need to inspire for that vision and describe it clearly so that people understand also why it is that you want to want to go there. And if you look around in the world, and especially in the world of politics, well, first of all, I've already mentioned one of the quotes from Martin Luther King, but perhaps more recently, I would say Barack Obama is the classic example of a visionary leadership style. The second leadership style is an affiliative, feeling-oriented leadership style. Now, this is all about harmony and sensitivity and what is the right way to act here. It's mostly about people. Because this is a feeling-oriented, it's really about who does this impact, how will they think about this, and how can they how can I get them along? So if this leadership style had a slogan, it would be people first. And we probably all can think of leaders who are like this, right? Who really have the people in mind first and foremost and are willing to perhaps protect people in certain circumstances and put people above performance, organization, etc. Now, when does this really come in handy? Well, when you are either struggling with a dysfunctional team, a dysfunctional organization, and you want to bring people together, then having someone like this that can come in with an affiliative feeling-oriented leadership style really, really solve these conflicts, really bring in the harmony, really rebuild relationships, that, that is very helpful. But it's also when your team is functioning, but you are really dependent on them functioning to a high level and working together and having strong relationships. So when you want to strengthen what you already have, because for whatever reason in your context, it's really critical that people work closely like that. The third leadership style is a coaching leadership style. Now, with this style, you are listening most of the time. You are counseling. You are encouraging. You are mostly asking questions. So the slogan of this leadership style would not be a statement like follow me or people first. It would be a question. It would be how would you tackle this, for example. The questions are directed at encouraging people to think, to really think about what is true in their life, what is true in this situation, what resources do they have, what is something that they haven't tried before, so that you lead them to a solution. These are fantastic process managers. They manage particularly well the process of people, teams, organizations getting to solutions rather than presenting the solution and, and telling people to do something. And probably if you've done sports, you will have had a coach that has been working a bit like this at least and encouraging you with those questions. Or perhaps a teacher, I think often we would find in those domains this particular style. The fourth leadership style is a democratic leadership style. Now, this is closely linked to the previous one, the coaching leadership style. Here as well, with the democratic style, you have someone who is generally listening well 
is very much also a team player, is also asking more questions than making statements. But the questions are not directed at so much at encouraging people to come up with their own solutions. It's encouraging people, groups, to come to decisions together to get people's buy-in. So the questions might be things like, what do you think about this? What is something that we have not considered? Shall we go for option A or option B? Now, this is really handy when you need to buy, create buy-in, create consensus for a solution. If you know that it's not enough just to set out a vision and perhaps create a plan, and then leave it up to the organization to do it. You know that the organization really needs to be bought into the solution to for anything to be done, get done. And if I think of this leadership style, I think of it in the European and German context. I think of um, Angela Merkel as someone uh, employing this style. Feel free to disagree with me here, but I think very much focusing on process and getting people on board rather than jumping ahead and running ahead with a vision. So very much in that sense, a democratic leadership style. Now, up until now, we've looked at these four leadership styles, the visionary one, the affiliative feeling oriented, the coaching, and a democratic leadership style. You are probably right in thinking that something is missing. Right? When I think of leadership I and I look around in the world, I see, I see Elon Musk, I see Donald Trump, I see Putin. I'm not putting all of them in, in the same cluster here, but I'm saying that all of these people, they are leading and they are leading very differently from all these styles and examples that we've looked at so far. So let's get to those. There are two more leadership styles here. The first one of those is pace setting, also called demanding. So this is a leadership style where the, the leader really has high expectations and more than expectations formulates those high demands towards others. Very proactive, very result-oriented. So when they say something, it's not the question, it's not the people first, it's results first. It's, this is necessary, do it. Or, this is not the standard I'm expecting, change it. And I think of an example when I was working in consulting on a project and this was a longer project and at some point I realized that the pace and the quality in our team was suffering. I had a boss who came in and who was usually very, very much on the affiliative feeling oriented, perhaps coaching leadership style side, very much always on that side. But that day, he came into our office, stormed in and raised his voice and really made clear that our work was insufficient and and we really felt it. And looking back, and I think in the moment itself, even though it was difficult, I acknowledged that he probably was right and we needed to hear that. We needed to hear that what we were doing was not good enough. Now, 
you probably can tell that this is a really useful style to have. Whenever quality is really important, whenever results are really, really important, think of space travel, right? You, you, you can't afford many mistakes in, in areas like that. Think of the leadership style of Elon Musk, of Steve Jobs. Now, these might also be visionary leaders to some extent, but there's a healthy dose of demand and pace setting in there. There is one more leadership style, and it's perhaps the one, and I'm mentioning it last because it's very much to one extreme, when, when I look at it at least, and it's the commanding leadership style. The commanding leadership style is, well, as the word says, it's control and command. It's highly monitoring what other people are doing. It is telling people, not asking questions. It's, if it was a slogan, it's do it because I said so. You know, do what I say. Really useful to have in crisis situations. So when the house is burning, you don't coach people to get out of the house. You tell people and probably don't need to explain to them very, very much here. Just run. Get out of the house now. And it's typically associated with military and military commanders, but... I was surprised too when I read biographies or books by people with a military background that often this particular style was not the default, right? They would perhaps be more visionary or coaching oriented or democratic, always trying to get people, other people's views into their decisions, right? So perhaps it's a bit of a stereotype to, to think of the military as really focused on this style. But I'm sure you can think of people in your life and out there who employ this commanding leadership style. Perhaps to go back to some of the people I mentioned earlier, Elon Musk and Steve Jobs also qualified to some extent here and in some situations for this one as well. So there you have it, six leadership styles that Daniel Goldman outlines. The first one we looked at was the visionary one, the affiliative feeling oriented. That's the second one. The third one is the coaching leadership style. The fourth one, democratic leadership style. Then the pace setting or demanding leadership style. And then finally, the sixth one, the commanding leadership style. What's the takeaway from all of this? Well, as I mentioned at the beginning, we've got these six leadership styles. We all have our default and the challenge or the opportunity here for us is to acknowledge where we are, but also acknowledge that in some situations, what is required of us is something that may be outside of what feels natural to us, outside of what our default is. And here is how you can make use of this then. Identify your default style. If you want to have more background on these six leadership styles, simply Go to Google, Google Daniel Goldman, six leadership styles. You find much more context on those. With that context, the first step is then identify what is your default style? Where are you most of the time? What comes easiest to you in your particular context? And context really is important here. 
And the way you can do this is not just by selecting one of them, but probably you have a combination of these styles. So if you allocated 100% across these six leadership styles, how would you allocate those? See where you've got a dominant pattern. And probably it's a combination of one and two leadership styles. Then secondly, identify your weakest style. Where are you weak? But thirdly, and most importantly, ask yourself, in my situation, independent of where I am at the moment, what is required in my context, in my job, in my role, what is required of me in terms of these leadership styles? And then compare it to where you are currently, what your default is. And if there is a mismatch, then think of if you are less visionary than what would be needed in your job. Think of concrete actions that can help you live that style a bit more in your job. Really concrete actions. And by doing that, what you're doing is you're training the parts of your leadership that are weak, but that are required in your context. And you learn to be more flexible in the way you lead. We all probably always have our default leadership style. That's what we are known for. But to be effective is to be able to adapt to what is required in the situation, whether it's in a particular place and organization that is something different required from us than before, or in terms of timing. In certain times, a different style might be needed. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked the episode. Please share it with someone who might find it valuable as well. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a guest I should talk to, let me know. You can find out more on my website. Head over to politicwise.org. Until the next time.